Welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm extremely sleepy, but I'm powering through. Well, your courage is an inspiration to us all. Yeah. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. I'm filled with energy and powered by faith and righteousness. Doesn't sound right. <laughs> joining us all the way from America, Tennessee, a man with a much fancier mic, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Nobody asked whether or not I was sleepy. Are you sleepy, Lee? Nobody cares. <laughs> Fair enough. Wow. <laughs> Just thought I'd try it. Man. Wow. Normally, I time that so that Jed is saying his thing while I say that thing under it, and we just kind of we just kind of whiffed on that one. The truth. I don't think that's Came very out. edifying. I'm not edified not. at all. Well, speaking of the edifying properties of this podcast, <laughs> we've got some international emergencies to clear up here. Are you declaring an emergency? I believe I am. Are you just stating that there is one? Is that not the same thing? No. No. That I'm declaring an international emergency. That, as often happens, Glenn caused with the words that come out of his face. Yes. So a couple episodes ago, we were talking about our friends to the north. Right. The Canadians, they're good people. I stick up for them. Glenn is just filled with an inexplicable hate. Sure. So, but, you know, uh, Glenn has mocked their... uh, their conception of uh, cured meats, right? Their political system, uh-huh. their economic system, right? And then he made one <laughs> offhand comment about a coffee chain. Yep. Would yeah. anybody care to guess what got our Canadian friends riled up? I'm going to go with the Tim Hortons. Yep. You don't talk <laughs> bad about Tim Hortons. We got a message into the Tumblr from a, a fine Canadian listener, our friend Wally from the Toronto area. There, mm. it says, and it opens. I'm not making this up. All I heard was Tim Hortons, and I had to stand up for the cause. <laughs> wow. wow. Tim Hortons might as well be my second home, especially since it's roll up the rim time, which is worth Googling. I'm not going to Google that. That sounds like a trap. That yeah. sounds like a dangerous... Roll up the rib? Rim. Roll up the rim. I did Google it with the say search on, because that's how you do that. Sure. And it's like a giveaway thing where like under the rim of the coffee cup... That's where they print it, like, instead of on the bottom, because they have to be weird about everything. Right. So it goes on to say, we Canadians are not all that crazy about the beaver pelts, which you may recognize as Glenn's guess at what their currency was. (laughs) But beaver tails, fantastic. Mm. Here's the thing. Beaver tails is capitalized, which makes me think that may be some kind of, like, donut style, like a a bear claw or something you can get to importance. Or right. she may just be referring to an actual thing. Just a delicious, delicious tail off of an or valuable, beaver, you know. To be traded as for a pelt. Sure. I thought I'd make a Canadian super fan contribution. And we appreciate it. Now things get a little sassy. Okay. Okay. And Uncle Glenn, no, we're not chicken. We're just enjoying the real crispy, delicious bacon as you try to figure out why you were left with the knockoff ham. Wow. Wow. Whoa. Attacking actual pork products. See, here's the thing, Glenn. You thought you thought the Canadians were a soft target. Right. You thought you could say whatever you want about Tim Hortons Definitely. and they just take it. Yeah. But you found their limit. Yeah. That 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 I had a feeling yeah. that was gonna be the thing to really kick it off. Sure. Because you you don't want a beef that's like lackadaisical. No, no. You no, want no. one that's like full blown, you know. Yeah. Because Here's the thing, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna tell you some things about Canadians right now. Okay, are you sure this you should go do well? that? <laughs> okay. Here's why here's why they are the way they are. Tell me. This is the most white man intro to any statement ever. Yeah, I'm not uh, <laughs> I'm not optimistic about where this is going. Now here's what I'm saying. The reason why they're this way is all because of the rock band rush. Okay. Okay, see they got the rush. Right. Right. So they're walking around all cocky and arrogant. Right. Because it's like the best rock band in the history of rock. Sure. Okay. Well. This also gives uh, our listeners a guess at a hard end date for when your conception of Canadian music ended. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the thing. It's like, they're like, what do you got in America? Right. We got Rush. What do you got? 
Right. And then you're like, uh, uh, Journey. Like Aerosmith. Right. right. And then that, that, you know, people you know, made music after 1988, right? Well, not good music. But so <laughs> there's like music that only has talking in it. Why would I listen to that? Right. You know what I mean? There's no singing, just right. talking. Right. Well, what's the point? Sure. But uh, so they, they've got all that arrogance, you know. They, right. They've got the, you know, your Getty Lee and your sure. Neil Peart. You know, yes. I know how to say it. Sure. You know? It's very impressive. Wow. Okay. But you know, uh, it's, you know, it's actually YYZ. That's right. But uh, this is the thing: is you know, enjoy these jokes, fifty-year-old listeners. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, they're all. We're gonna get on one of them classic rock radio stations with this kind of banter. <laughs> this is what it is: is they're all arrogant from that. See what I'm saying? That, so, that is what I think of when I think Canadians, and, especially uh, in comparison to Americans. Let me tell you what: here's what we haven't talked about. Tell me, hockey. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Oh, they like you, to think, you know. Do you know anything about hockey? Not really. You're going to okay. get somebody attacked with a skate. That's all Here's I know. Here's the thing, Go though, ahead, is that something happens on the podcast. We say something. We upset somebody. They come back with a, they come back with a retort. That does you know, happen quite often. Strong baseline shot. And right. we, you know, there's a couple roads we could take, which is, you know, sorry we offended your coffee shop. Right. So what we want to do is start a full-on border war yeah. right and yeah. i love the idea that the war kicks off and then years later when people are writing the revisionist history they dig into the they dig into this thing and they find out that this is where it all started this exactly yeah, right. podcast exactly Let me tell you what i'm making them pay for that ice wall that we're building okay okay because <laughs> plus you got to keep out at all the you know what i mean you got to have the wall right and then you have to have the dudes on the wall here's right. the thing jet glenn you can't say you got to keep out all, all the you know what i mean you have to finish that thought or people will finish it for you <laughs> yeah tell well, us exactly what you mean well <laughs> i don't then this i don't know this for sure right but what i hear is you have in canada right Someone will die, right. right? And then next thing you know, whoop! Now they they've come back to life, right. and they're attacking you, right? Right. That's why we got to have the wall, right? Really hate put, a guy named John Snow. Yeah, you got dudes wearing black on the wall. Yeah, yeah. and then because you know what I mean, zombies can't climb up a wall. Sure. Well, it depends which zombies. That's well, the World right. War Z zombies could definitely well, climb World up a wall. World War Z zombies, climb each other, obviously, scale any but. Wall. There's yeah. no there's no defense against World War Z zombies, Jet. That's you gotta just, have Brad Pitt. Uh, you gotta have Brad Pitt. This is what I'm saying. First of all, we got Brad Pitt. Right. You can't have him. No. Canada. That's right out. Right. Second of all, we gotta build a wall. We're making them pay for that wall. I, I couldn't agree more. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's an ice wall. You can't climb it because right. it's slippery. You yes, follow what I'm saying? Totally. Then we're digging a tunnel to Alaska, so we can go back and forth. You know how it makes that perfect is. sense to me, right? But here, you know, I'm th- I'm thinking about your rush theory and the right. arrogance, and it makes sense. But there's there's one thing, just you know, a thorn in my brain driving me mad. I want to put out there, you right. know, is the same country that birthed Rush, yeah, also birthed Nickelback. That's an excellent point. And what I'm wondering is, is there not an inner self-hatred for all Canadians? Yeah. Where they've seen, we can produce Rush, we can make right. that happen. Absolutely. But we also spread the pestilence of Nickelback across the earth. I'm going to tell you something else. Tell me. Celine Dion. Ooh. Yeah. Hold on, yeah. Keep, let's keep the train rolling. You guys have neglected to mention Bieber. Whoa. Whoa, that's true. That's the whole thing right there. That's true. Game okay. over. Okay. Welcome what... to old white men rant about the kids' music. <laughs> <laughs> It's always Here. the show I envision putting out into the world. Here's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Me and you, Jed. Yeah. Remember what we're going to do. We're going to go to Starbucks. Okay. We're going to get us a thermos. Right. We're going to fill that thermos with Starbucks. Right. We're going to take a road trip. Right. We're going to show them Canadians real coffee. Right. None of this Tim Hortons. I mean, they think it's great. Why? They ain't even had anything. They think... They're looking at ham thinking, wow, that's bacon. Yeah. They don't know. Yeah. Are you, are, Glenn, are you operating on the, under the assumption that Starbucks, a company which started in Seattle, has not opened any uh, locations across Canada? Obviously not, because we're, we're still talking about Tim Hortons. You know what okay. I'm saying? So we're going we're gonna to go and show them how it really goes. We're going to infiltrate. I like it. Because that's what they've been doing to us. They walk among us. We yeah. don't know who they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here's what I like. <laughs> I like that Glenn spent a lot of the first part of this emergency building up some credibility with your... Uh, your young scarf set, if you yeah, will. You right. know. He's talking about, you know, the rush, talking about the Game of Thrones. Sure. And then I think he just blew blew all that capital on holding up Starbucks as good coffee. Sure. Sure. I think a lot of people just threw their yeah. fashionable beanies to the ground <laughs> in intelligentsias 
just railing because we we thought you were one of us, man, and you lost yeah. it. Yeah. Well, there is one thing in these troubled times that I feel like can bring us all together. What's that? Is it Jed? you chewing on Mike? One delicious, delicious pineapple and marshmallow and chocolate made with real fruit juice. <laughs> Peacemaking tool. Yeah. We got some uh, uh, some delicious pineapple flavored uh, <laughs> snacks from New Zealand. That's right. It's not all international strife. That let, me, we let me ask you a question. Here. See, we're cool with New Zealand, right? Mm-hmm. And that's despite the fact that they're overrun with hobbits. Dang straight. Those hobbits are taking everybody's job. So that's, you know. But here's I think it may be the fact that you don't know enough things about New Zealand to accurately offend them. <laughs> I think if you ever go to New Zealand, you're going to find some beloved local thing, and we'll have the exact same problem with the New Zealanders. Okay. But here's what happens <laughs> okay. is they send us food mm-hmm. to appease us. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're cool with that. Absolutely okay. right. They're paying tribute. This is yeah. the sweet taste of diplomacy. That's right. That's right. All right. So, you know what, uh, Canada? Maybe think about it. A yeah. lesser broadcaster would have not eaten the whole, would have not shoved the whole pineapple lump in their mouth. I commit to the bit, man. You do. Yeah. You really do. Enjoy yeah. that in your earbuds, people. Yeah. So, uh, I think those are the only international incidents we've kicked off this week, which is kind of a slow week for us, but. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think we need to stay focused on this Canada thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, keep, keep an, an eye, eye on, on it. it. Yeah, we got to monitor that situation. Yeah. Uh, we got to have dudes on that ice wall. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, so that's, uh, I, I think, uh, let's declare a very cautious sure. emergency off. Sure. I think Glenn's going to have to uh, keep up with the Game of Thrones Wikipedia page because he might be out of references. <laughs> <laughs> you that's can tell, pretty much true. You can tell when Glenn has not watched a figure piece of media but has only experienced it through meme culture because he's right. he's right. swinging hard at the few things he knows well it's like he, you got the gifs that are on the twitter and that's about it sure sure absolutely well again i feel the need to point this out that relations aren't all bad with canada we have many fine Canadian uh, friends who are subscribers to bridgebox as well as new zealand many other uh, far lands as well as right here in the good old us of a mm-hmm that's right. I want to make a Make America Great joke right there, but I A, can't find it, and B, would horrify myself by doing that. That's so. probably for the best. A lot best. of Americans are signed up for Bridgebox. $8 a month, MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Get some fantastic songs from Lee and Jed and some other friends of ours. Get some sermons, get some Bible studies, lots of great stuff, and sports ministry we do up here. And that lead us down there in Tennessee. It is the easiest and funnest way we can find support. Awesome ministry. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Woot. All right. We jumped to our first question here. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us. First one comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, Hello! I wanted to really do the exclamation point justice in my performance. Mm -hmm. Hello, I am learning in my own life-slash-spiritual walk that the media I expose myself to affects me. How does the media you encounter change your spiritual walk for good or bad? Is it more of a you-need-to-avoid-the-bad-stuff-as-much-as-possible thing, or if I listen to, to... Mm, they put specific names, and we try to do it in this podcast, and I have a feeling we're going to make fun of this. So if I listen to two Christian albums to every secular album, that'll be okay. Do I just need to concentrate on filling up with as much good stuff as possible? What is your practical advice on how to work this out? And Lee, why don't you kick us off on this? Um, happy to. I, I think this is a really cool question for a number of reasons. One is uh, that you know it gives us a chance to talk about something that that I think Christians get wrong a lot that Jesus specifically talked about the other side of, which is, you know, for a lot of people, the kind of the Christian way to do this is you, you exactly as you're saying, you just take in Christian media, that way you're safe. And mm. that's obviously the most holy way to enjoy any kind of media. And because you got to be scared of stuff. And mm. Jesus actually said, it's not what goes into a man that, uh, that, that, you know, makes a person unholy or whatever. Uh, it's what comes out of his own heart. In other words, we're all, we all have enough messed up potential inside of all of us to be, you know, whatever. We all need to be saved, redeemed. It's not what you take in. All that stuff's inside you already. You need to be fixed. 
Um, right. and, and it's important to remember that Jesus said that so that we don't think that the simple fix is just make sure that you never see anything offensive or questionable, and then you'll be okay and you'll be holy. I think another thing that Christians do, um, kind of a, the low-hanging fruit on this is <clears throat> let's just go ahead and decide what everything is you know is okay to listen to to watch to you know the the right person to vote for the right music to listen to the right shows to enjoy the right movies to whatever and that way everybody can do the same thing and we don't have to be afraid of anything you know these are the games you can play that are not going to harm you that's not going to mess up your mind or whatever the problem with that is is that you're an individual you have an individual personality, you have an individual temperament, you have individual struggles that are set off by individual triggers and stimuli. So, you know, and, and what that means is that, you know, maybe you watch some show and it affects you in a very specific way because of what you've been through and what you're like. And it doesn't affect me in that way at all because I haven't lived through what you've lived through. Um, I haven't been through the stuff that you have. I don't have that same struggle in the same way that you have. Um, so you, you know, you listen to a certain band and you just enjoy it. It's great for me. I listen to a certain band, and it takes me back to a time in my life that I that I want to put some distance in between uh, where I am and where I was. And so it's not a good thing for me to listen to that band. Um, I, I know that about myself. And so for you, it's fine for me. It's not. Mm. I think the key on this is, is realizing that every single person is different. And so you're going to have a different line on different things than I will. Matt has a different line on this than I do. And you know, Jed has a different line than Glenn on this other thing, but here's the most important piece of that. It's not your job to tell me what my line should be. Mm-hmm. And it's not my job to tell you what your line should be. And this is very, very key. It's not your church's job to decide what everybody's line should be. Now, at the other side of this point is that the Lord does have the right to call shots in your life. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to be honest about myself and say, I'm not always the best judge of, what, of how things affect me. Sometimes I kind of can deceive myself on the way this thing is, the way that this thing is affecting me because I'm enjoying it, even though I kind of know this isn't so great for me where I am right now. Um, So I'm not always a good judge on that. And I think it's important to go ahead and say that. Sometimes I don't make the right call and I need to give the Lord the, 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 you know, the right and, uh, and make him the shot caller on some of this stuff of like, is this setting me in a weird, you know, mental space? Is this causing me to fall into some old ways of thinking, some old insecurities or some old struggles or whatever. I need to be letting him set that line with me, but there's not a cookie cutter thing for every single Christian out there. And so that's kind of two sides of, uh, of some different ways that Christians think about it. It's a kind of a good place for us to start out thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. I think that's a very important look on that side of kind of the, uh, the defensive end of uh, ingesting media, which a lot of Christians tend to focus on. Glenn, maybe I get you to talk about the other side of this, which is, this person talks, which is a great thing about, you know, filling up on good stuff. But I think that definition of good stuff gets boiled down to the safest, most uh, widely available, kind of most nominally Christian thing, yeah. which uh, that's super not what that means. Absolutely. And you know, I think there's a tendency with uh, Christian media that we want something where we can say, okay, anything on this channel or anything on this radio station is, you know, we kind of joke about it's safe for the ears in the back seat or whatever. Just the idea that everything that's coming from this direction is going to be good and edifying and Christian and wonderful and fantastic. And so I don't need to do any discernment. I don't need to do any thinking Uh or evaluating. I just let it flow directly into my brain and whatever. Um, I super don't like that idea. I understand the thinking on it, and and I'm not vilifying the, the desire to have that, I guess. But what I am saying is, I hear lots of Christian music that just bums me out so bad. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> partly because it just isn't good. Partly um, because it exists. That's, yeah. It's, ex- it's extentness bums <laughs> you out. Yeah, and um, uh, I don't know if you can dig this, but um, uh, there are times, I, I, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, but there are times when I hear someone singing the words, Christian words, and this is a good lyrics and good whatever, 
I can tell by the way they're singing them, they super don't mean them. Mm. <laughs> you know, they're just not living that. Yeah. And that bums me out. I can't, if I listen to that, uh, my sanctification is taking a hit. So that's sure. not a plus. But Glenn, his really, his love really is like a mountain stream. Well, that's the thing is, um, the, at some point, I really am turned off by anything that trivializes our sure. faith. So, there, and there's a certain amount of that. You go to the Christian bookstore, there's the cute t shirts and whatever. Where it's almost where we're making this something sort of silly and casual, as opposed well, it kind to kind of treats Christianity like any other hobby. If right. I was into the sports team, I would wear this shirt. Yeah, so it's that type of shirt, just with Jesus. Right. So yeah, I I think um, you know I think over time that becomes a, a you know a bad zone to get into. Uh, but there's also a certain segment of Christian media and Christian music where they're kind of putting stuff out there. That is not um, something I can honestly sing, if you see what I mean. Sure. There's a certain amount of, I'll follow you, Lord, whatever, and I'll always be true, and I'll always do what you say. And I would, I'm thinking, no, I'm, no, that's not, yeah. that's not me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, you know, that uh, there was an old song, maybe Lee will, old hymn uh, about, even though they slay me. Old hymn, you know, I'll follow you, Lord, even if they slay me. And I'm like, uh, like dude, from Job not, or whatever. Yeah. Not the yeah, Beyonce yeah, yeah. way of slaying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I've I'm falling off because I'm having a bad day. If they're trying to slay me, I might be the first one to jump ship. So, you know, uh, I I have to at some point I'm sort of setting up a standard within myself, and I'm it's becoming sort of a hypocrisy kind of a thing that I don't dig. So I want to consume Christian media or Christian anything that has that sense of authenticity and humanity and has helped kind of breaking things down. And there's actually not a ton, a ton of that in Christian media. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Jed, maybe we can get you to pick up on this and take that step a little further. There's an idea of, of which I think a lot of the problem people have with this comes from not answering this question at the outset, which is what am I trying to get out of yeah. this experience? And I think Lee and Glenn both hit it on the head that a lot of what that is is just kind of bathing in a warm stream of Christian-y words. Yeah. But if you're looking at, as someone who makes a lot of media, if you're looking for something of, okay, at its best, media does, can give you this positive thing, right. then you know how to search that out. So where do we start with that process? That's a great question, man. Well, here's here's what the Bible says. This is a verse a lot of people know. This is Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I think there's a couple takeaways on that, you know, as it pertains to, to media. The first is, and that's Paul writing, and he's encouraged us to think about those things because the way we think affects the way we live. Um, the, the things that we meditate on affect the decisions that we make. They, it affects the way we think about ourselves and the way that we live our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's interesting is if you look at that list, uh, true, noble, right, pure, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy – there's a whole lot of so-called Christian media that just doesn't make the cut on that, right, right, like right. at all, point yeah, for right. point. And by contrast, there's plenty of stuff that you would never find in a Christian bookstore, um, but that does kind of, you know, uh, make the cut on that. I mean, right. if you if you think about something like the Brothers Karamazov, they mm. don't sell that in Christian bookstores, uh, right. but that actually, to me, to me anyway, that makes the cut on every single one of those right. things. The other yeah. thing. The other thing, and I think, Matt, it kind of gets to the other half of the question you're asking, is um, our brains need fuel the same way that our bodies do, right? We we put things into our brain, and then our brain kind of digests them in a way, you know, and that, that, that fuels things. All right, with your body, in general, you want to eat fruit, vegetable, and lean protein. That right. You want that to be the core of the fuel you're putting into your body. That doesn't mean it's wrong to have a pineapple lump. It's right. it's actually a great thing. If you're eating, well, let's not go nuts. <laughs> if you're eating, it's not harmful. <laughs> if you're eating exclusively pineapple lumps, right. if you have a 100 percent pineapple lump based diet, right. we, well, now we actually which probably, if Jed had his druthers, I would totally do. Well, so similar thing, you know, no one, um, no one sane anyway is suggesting to you that everything that you ingest mentally needs to be on par with the brothers Karamazov. Right. But 
if it's all the equivalent of junk food, and there's yeah. plenty of Christian media that is the equivalent of junk food. Right. If it's all junk food, if it's all junk food, then we're not fueling ourselves to live the kind of life that we need to be living. A life that's marked by true and pure and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy. We, we want to put thoughts in our brain that enables to live in that way. And so there's a sense of, of purpose to the things that we're thinking about. I think you're absolutely right, but I, I want to kind of double back to a couple of things on this, and we, we'll get a little more on this. And uh, I'd love to get both Glenn and uh, lead away on this. So we're, I think we're looking at a balance, an, an issue of balance here right, in a lot right. of ways. One of which is, I think, to pick up on what uh, Jed is saying, people look to media, and particularly Christians look to media, to do things they cannot do. Yeah, right. To, to the Brothers Karamazov um Example, there's a high art and low art kind of thing. Um, the things you read cannot make you a worldly erudite person. Nope. Right, right. You have to go experience things. If you if you go to Moscow, you will understand the you understand more about Russian culture than reading the Brothers Karamazov. Doesn't make mm-hmm. that a fantastic story, but it's a story. It's sure. not inherently you know better than some a paperback you get at the airport. So I think in the sense of what are we looking for media to do, we also need to look at what. Are we looking? Are we looking for media to fill holes in our life that it cannot fill? Yeah. Right. I think a big area we get on that is people want uh, songs, books, all that stuff to teach them something about what right. their life needs to be. Not a good place to get that. And Glenn, maybe you can pick up, pick up for us what's a better place to get that, and how does the media we get supplement getting that? For sure, I think uh, we we need mentors, we need pastors, we need that as part of our walk, and if. If you feel like you're running low on fuel, and that's kind of part of what I'm getting out of this, uh, this uh, the way that you're wording this question, you say, yeah, I'm fill- I, I need to concentrate on filling up on as much good stuff as possible. That's, that's, you get that from a mentoring process, being pastored, people who are really building things into your mm-hmm. life. Um, music uh, and other forms of media can help sort of Keep us passionate about that. Keep us focused on that. Kind of uh, glue that stuff together and 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 uh, be a good source of inspiration for the things that we would learn from a mentor or a pastor or something like that. But we really need someone who's further along in the walk than we are that knows more about it than we do. That we can humble ourselves and say, "Man, I got a problem with this. I have a struggle. I need some advice." Uh, that's more of what we need to to look for, and we can't really put media in that spot, as you say. I think you're absolutely right. I think the word inspiration, the user, is an important one. I'd love to get Lee to close on this. So I think a lot of people do look to um, Christian media for inspiration in a different way than you're using it. You're kind of Glenn's kind of using that in a way of kind of a very keep going kind of right. motivational kind of. I'm on the way, and this is relaxing and encouraging and all that stuff. Um, I think a lot of, if you go to the conference or the church and they got the smoke machine, they got the thing and we're all singing about the, the wondrous mercies of raining down on the streams and the deers and whatnot. There's this idea that I will sing this and maybe in a, just to make up a word for Christian stuff, get a passion that will a lead me to pluck $600 down to go be passionate. Mm. But B that'll be the thing everybody's missing is motivation and inspiration (laughs) Right. And that's not a good plan for media. Mm-hmm. It's more uh, media. It's there's nothing wrong with media, particularly Christian media, being entertaining, sure. being relaxing, and all that stuff. Exactly. But that inspiration is not something you can find there. Am I right on that, Lee? Well, yeah. And I think one of the things that's and it's not just in the conference, but one of the things that I've found is that people use particularly Christian, what they call Christian music. It's a way that they um, they kind of pay themselves back for watching the shows that, that they feel naughty about. Yeah. Mm, you know, yeah, so, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I binge-watched Breaking Bad, and I feel kind of gross. I just feel, you know, that was, you know, it was like I, my spirit kind of took a sludge bath at, you know, doing that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn on K-Love for a while on my way to class, and then that's just going to kind of wash over the whole thing. Well, it's exactly what Matt's saying. You're asking media to do something for you that it's not intended to do, which is it's, it's, it's not your confessor, and it's not your, it's, it's not your atonement 
place. That's that's not what that's there for. I mean, yeah. you know, if you if you play violent giddy, video games or whatever, and you you know you watch a violent show, and then you know the the and, and then you're feeling like, well, I need to get right with God, so I'm just going to go listen to some some worship music or something like that. That's not really the way that this works out. Jesus loves you. You're you know you're you're clean. Your sins are forgiven. All that kind of stuff. And you know the 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 media that you take in, you have it's it's exactly like Matt said. It's there to entertain you. So if you are watching a show for entertainment, you're playing a video game for entertainment. Call it what it is. Call it what it is. And then you know the music that you listen to, listen to you because you like it. If there's something that you listen to that does help you, exactly as Glenn says, helps you to worship the Lord, gives you kind of gives you a fuel like on your way to the ministry that you're doing, or or you know helps you know helps you feel pumped. Great, but don't use it as an anodyne for something that you maybe need to be dealing with Jesus with or letting him call shots on or whatever. That's that's not the way that that works. But it's a way that a lot of people use it. I just need to feel better about myself, so I'm going to do this as kind of a way to cover up or pay back myself for what I did before. One quick thing at the end, uh, I think definitely needs to be said, there's a lot of churches, a lot of church cultures where they're extremely legalistic and judgmental about media. They they put a ton of guilt on the people. Um, Just a perspective of some guys who have been doing ministry stuff a long time, in 99% of cases, um, the media choices a person is making is at the very bottom of the list of changes they need to make in their life. <laughs> yeah. um, it, what, what happens is we have, you know, again, in certain church cultures, there's, um, for whatever reason, we put media preferences near the top of the list of things that needs to be changed. Right. What you're hearing all of us saying is, it's pretty hard to describe media preferences generally as sinful or righteous, just right. period. Right. Um, it, it's actually pretty hard to make that argument. You can describe them as helpful or unhelpful, maybe, but that even that gets cloudy. But even in cases where it's you know probably not great, it's near the bottom of the list of things that really, really, really need to be changed. There, mm-hmm. there are some specific situations. You know, we, we deal with guys that are coming out of street gangs, it's probably best if they don't watch The Wire all day, every day. Um, But in general... It's also good if Christian college students don't watch The Wire and think they understand what's going on in the inner city. That's also true. Just an example I'm (laughs) making up on the spot. Right. (laughs) But two things, if you're... (laughs) Mercy. Two things... Hi, Wheaton students. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) But two quick things. First is, if you're in a church environment that talks, it spends a lot of time putting guilt on people about media preferences, find a different church. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's a clear mark of it's not a healthy church. The second thing is, if you're caught up with guilt about your media preferences, I'm not saying your media preferences are great. Again, it's kind of a gray area. But the thing I'd really challenge you on is go to the Lord and say, what areas of my life am I not looking at? Right. What are the areas of my life that I'm not paying attention to that maybe have a much bigger impact on my walk and my health as a Christian and whatnot that maybe need to be dealt with before we worry too much about all of this media stuff? Yeah. Um, you know, there's every chance the Lord says, oh, no, media is the number one thing in your life. But I wouldn't put money down on it mm-hmm. and be good to go uh, uh, get with him and get with a mentor and, and figure out what else am I not looking at? Totally. I would close up this conversation by saying that uh, the other thing about that is that um, media stuff, as far as like everything else taken, in, I think actually diet is a really good example, is a pretty much a constant dialing in. Yep. yep. There's a little more, a little less, I want more of this one is. And this idea of just good stuff, if you ate a diet that was 100% lean protein, that would not be healthy. You would die. In the same way, if you just sit around and read the great novels of Western yep. Christian canon, that, that may not make you any more sanctified as a person. Oh yeah. Nothing wrong with whatever the happy music is or the, the cheesy TV show. We're looking for balance. We're looking for, I like this band or a little downbeat. I'm feeling sad today. I haven't seen the sun because I live in a frozen hellscape uh, called Chicago. Um, maybe I, even though I like this band, maybe I knock off with that, find some little rubby. That's all a dialing in process. Totally cool. So the, actually what Jeb was saying there transitions into our next question very nicely. It came into anonymously in our Tumblr box and it says, how do I hear from God? I feel like I just ask him so many questions and then when I'm quiet and trying to hear from him, I get nothing back. Am I doing it wrong? How can I tell the difference between his voice and my own? Glenn, why don't you start us off? For sure. Think of it this way. Um, you exist on three different levels, right? 
body, mind, and spirit, mm-hmm. right? So uh, you, your existence sort of takes place on three different planes, so to speak, right? A- again, the physical, the mental, and then the spiritual. Well, what we're talking about is receiving wisdom from God that's coming from the spiritual side of things, but it's being communicated to us through the mental world here. Yeah. So that is to say, you're not hearing a physical voice out loud, what have you. So the, the voice, so to speak, is coming into your, the, your mind, to your thought world kind of stuff. Um, if, if, uh, if we did sort of a, uh, uh, you know, like what's the, what do they call those tag clouds? You know, sure. if we, if we did one, looked at your mind in that way, there would be lots of stuff. It would be jumbled and all over the place and it would be, you know, uh, it's sort of a, a, a gumbo of all different kinds of stuff in there. Uh, the Lord's voice would be present in that. Uh, but the question is, is that being sort of choked out by all these sure. other things? So can we tune those other things out? But I say that to say that you are already hearing the Lord's voice. You are mm-hmm. already receiving those thoughts. You may not be able to, so to speak, tag them as coming from the Lord. But I think uh, when people talk about having struggles with listening to the Lord, I, I get this feeling that they're trying to listen real hard. Yeah, clench up real, real hard. <laughs> and th- that's the thing is, it's it, it's a mentality, I think, of normally I don't hear anything from the Lord, and so I need a special moment to um, get a, 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 the transmission. It needs to, to feel real holy. Yeah. Uh, God, you, you are my, my uh, all white robe on and really get down to it. exactly right that's the wrong way to look at this because here's the thing uh, jesus says i'm the vine you're the branches it's mm-hmm. all one plant mm-hmm. we're connected to god and again that's a spiritual connection and this wisdom and this this insight and the this this conversation is coming through the world of our brain of our thought life of, of our, our, our uh, uh you know where we have all of our uh, our mind does its thing. So it's important to recognize that both the enemy and God are present in our thought life so that we can uh, uh, recognize that those voices are already there. And if I say, well, do you have a hard time telling when the devil is trying to mess with you in your thought process on something? Most people say, "Yeah, no, I could, I could spot that. You yeah. know, I, that temptation is mm-hmm. pretty clear. It's pretty obvious. You know, that thought is coming through loud and clear, and it may be, even be hard for me to deny, but it's there. So mm-hmm. I think we can acknowledge the same thing going the other way with, with you know, the Lord being present in that process continually. I think it's a fantastic uh, place to start this off, Jed. Maybe I can get you to pick up the conversation uh, with more of that. So the person says, you know, what are some practical ways to do that? I think the most important practical tip here. Uh, it's a little counterintuitive to Glenn's point is if you're going to get to that quiet place, you kind of got to unload from your end. Yeah. If you want to differentiate the Lord's thoughts from your own, one of the quickest ways to do that is to get your thoughts out. Absolutely. So, but that, like I said, that's a little counterintuitive. It kind of goes against our kind of um, spiritualization of that listening to the Lord process. Can you walk us through that just very uh, practical reality of it? Absolutely. So, as Glenn says, in the stew of your thoughts, there are a certain number of thoughts that are coming. They're just your brain, just, you know, synapses firing and just your thoughts and ruminations on things. There's a certain number of thoughts that are, um, you know, kind of accusations and lies from the enemy. Uh, and there's a certain number of thoughts that are the leading of God's Holy Spirit. And the question is, how do we how do we discern which is which? That's the thing that really we're trying to do here. Well, as Glenn suggested, most people actually have a pretty good idea which ones are from the enemy. They, they have a, a, a tone to them. They start with, you suck. <laughs> now, a, yeah. now, a treatise on all the reasons you suck. Right, right. In summary... You suck. That's right. Um, and also, you should feel bad. You should really feel bad about the fact that you suck. And be afraid. Be afraid. 
By the way, here's something that might make you feel better for a while about right. how bad you suck right. and how afraid you are. And then you fell for it. You know what? You should feel bad about that. Because you suck. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty... It's not that hard to work out here, you know? So we... <laughs> we, we <laughs> mercy so we, we've got we've got all that so how do we get it down to trying to focus more on that still small voice of the holy spirit and those thoughts well a lot of it is um simply expressing in some way getting out of your brain as many of the thoughts and feelings that you have as you can so like a classic thing people are trying to pray about is should i take the job in cleveland or should i go back to graduate school and i you know i really want to do what the lord wants me to do well Step one on hearing the Lord's leading on that is to communicate, whether it's to another human being or, you know, talking to God in prayer or writing in a journal. Here's what I think about the job in Cleveland versus going back to graduate school. Here's the things that I'm hopeful about. Here's the things I'm afraid about. Here's the things I feel uncertain about. Here's my best case of all my dreams came true, what I think would happen. Here's what I'm afraid God's answer might be and, and the way it right. might go, kind of my worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to get all of that out. I'm going mm-hmm. to lay those burdens and those thoughts down. And again, that could be talking to a friend or a mentor. That could be writing it out in a journal. That could mm-hmm. be just sitting mm-hmm. down and telling God those things in prayer. But clearing your mind of, yeah. of all of those kind weights. Of venting it. Venting them and processing those thoughts mm-hmm. so that you can have some mental rest. Mm-hmm. Once you're in a place of kind of mental rest, of having kind of cleared your mind by expressing your mind, it's far easier to, you know, in a still quiet space and still quiet moment to go to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you say about all this? Mm-hmm. What What's your view on this? And then simply see what comes to mind. Right. Um, it's it's actually not a mystical process. Right. It seems like it is, but it's kind of not. And here's the beautiful thing. This is my experience, and I bet you'll have the same experience. If you get in the habit of kind of clearing the decks and express all this out, go, Lord, Lord, what do you say? And you see what comes to mind. If you did that every day for a week, here's what I bet would happen. You would begin to get a consistent sense of leading in that moment of seeing what comes to mind. But you begin to get a sense of wisdom behind it. Yeah. It's not just go back to graduate school. It's here's why. Mm-hmm. Here's all the things that going back to graduate school would do. Mm-hmm. Here's the things, mm-hmm. the doors it would open up, the possibilities it would make sense. So you get in that moment not just a sense of direction, but also a sense of wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know what to do, but you also know why to do it, which is actually just as important. Well, yeah, because that you, you may need to make a series of decisions, and you want them all to be consistent with the more bigger picture. Exactly wisdom. right. Exactly yeah. right. And so just one real quick thing. Don't be afraid to repeat that process as many times no. as you need to. God is never gonna, God's not going to be mad at you for That's asking right. him ten times. That's right. Um, God, you know, the Bible says God gives wisdom to all who ask him without finding fault. Um, it goes for you as well. God wants to give you the wisdom and the direction that you need, but I think it begins with clearing those decks and getting your thoughts and your feelings expressed and out in the open. That's a really fantastic way to take this conversation. Lee, I'd love to get you to pick up on that for just a second here. So I think Jed gave us something very important there, which is you don't start with, Lord, give me all this wisdom about everything I'm going to do so then I can make my plan based on that. Classic example of this is I just been praying for the Lord to show me the person I'm going to marry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Did you did you think about praying the specific of like whether you should open an eHarmony account or whether exactly. you should go to that singles group? <laughs> right. No, I figured I'd start with the giant overall answer. Right. I've been praying for the Lord to show me my calling. Did you pray about volunteering with the youth group? No, I'm going to start with calling and then I'm going to work backwards from there. Right. So one of the things that you make people want, I guess, is specific yes or no questions, especially as you're learning to start listening to the Lord, actually is a very helpful thing. And you can pick up on that practicality for us, Lee. Absolutely. Uh, and I love, by the way, I, I love the way that, that Glenn started this out, thinking about our mind as that that uh, that internet picture of the tag cloud where, you know, this, you know, the, the words in the big bold letters are the things that I think about the most and the, the stuff that I don't think about very much. And that is just such a great mental picture of, of what that soup is like. And then for Jed to break it down and say, well, get everything out there and then go to the Lord. And then I would say the refine the the refinement or taking that to the next step that I would add is one of the things that you really want to ask of the Lord is what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. What you want are actionable things. Because yeah. here's the thing is uh is the thing that most people are concerned about is what's going to happen to me? Mm-hmm. How will I feel? 
What's going to, uh, what's, you know, what should I be afraid of? What are the potential pitfalls? But the life that the Lord wants us to live is not a life of timidity or fear. He wants us to live a boldness where we trust him and follow him. That's what he wants. Trust me and follow me. And so that you don't, like people that really trust the Lord and are following him, the first thing in my mind is not always, but what, but what about this? But if I do that, what about this? So, and those kinds of emotional questions will cloud out what the Lord is actually asking me to do, which if my approach is, okay, I've already gotten all my emotions out there. This is all the funky things I think about this. This is all the stuff I want. Just as Jed said, it's exactly the way that it's supposed to, you know, these are all the things that I can imagine, all the possibilities, all the stuff I can, I can think of. Now, my question to you, Lord, is what do you want me to do today in this process. Mm-hmm. Now, I think a question like that, you are going to get an answer. You are going to get a strong sense, especially if your position is, I am determined that I'm not, I'm not going to ask this question bracing myself for something that I'm going to be afraid of. Because what we usually want to know is, I want to know something about my future. I want to know what's going to happen to me. When the question that that a man or woman of God is supposed to be asking is, what do you want me to do next? What step are Mm -hmm. we taking next? Mm -hmm. Those are two humongously different things. One is a person that's bracing for the worst, and the other person is a person who says, I'm taking my next step. Mm-hmm. And those are, those are a, a, you know, there's a huge chasm in between those other two things. One last little piece I would mention is Jed talked about a Bible verse that in the book of James where, where uh, James says that anybody that lacks wisdom can ask of God and he will give you an answer and he won't, he, he won't, uh, you know, without upbraiding, he won't chide you, he won't, you know, he, he, he won't punish you or anything like that. And he says, but that verse continues on and says, but let that man not doubt. Because the man who doubts is is a, a man that's tossed in you know in the sea without like a ship without a without an anchor and you know that guy can't assume that he's going to get anything from God and that word doubt it's actually a Greek word that means to judge and what that means is I can't go to the Lord and say what is it that you want me to do next and when you tell me I'll decide whether or not I'm going to do it yeah that's when the Lord says I'm not th- that guy's not going to hear. He's not, he's not going to get the answer. But if your determination is, Lord, I want you to tell me what to do next, and I'm not sitting in a place of judgment, I'm letting you call the shot, yeah. and I will yeah. take the step that you tell me, you are going to know where to go. Yeah. That's a fantastic point there. Glenn, I'd like to get you to pick up one more quick thing for us. So this person sure. asks a lot of great questions, and I think Lee ended in a very uh, awesome way there with the kind of the specificity of the what do you want me to do. Right. However, if we don't get clear the how, what does the listening process feel like, then the what do you want me to do can only can add more anxiety than it relieves. And you have a great phrase to this that you've talked talk about here, which is the idea of setting up a scenario for a thumbs up or thumbs down. Right. So I'd like to go through, just give us the two-minute version of what that means and what it feels like to get a thumbs up or thumbs down. Well, yeah, the idea is if I ask a, a question, Lord, who am I meant to marry? And I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking the Lord Cindy from <laughs> yeah. accounting yeah, I'm asking the Lord well in your case it would have been well she lives in Michigan you go that can't be right I'm in Houston this, right exactly the reception right. on this thing's all funky exactly the the idea that I'm going to ask the Lord to give me a, 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 a send me a picture in my mind of this woman that I've never met and maybe GPS would, coordinates if you're exactly about the right <laughs> this is a lot to ask of the connection that I have with the Lord in my mind you know that that there's a lot of interference <laughs> on that line so we, the more we simplify it the less data is lost in the transmission right so if I'm saying Lord um, um, here's my idea. Might be dumb. Might not be dumb. Yes or no. The yes or no answer, the thumbs up, thumbs down, is a lot easier to hear. So I'm saying, Lord, um, uh, you, you could you could put it another way. Say, you know, uh, I I would like to have a piece about mm-hmm. this decision, Lord. Put put that piece in my heart. Now we obviously we don't want to go on feelings, but if if you feel like that that uh, piece that you have on your heart is coming from the Lord, then that's that's your, that's your thumbs up. You know that kind of thing. Uh, you can uh, ask God for confirmation on all those things as well and, and, and pursue that, that path. But I think over time what's going to happen is 
you'll begin to tune into that voice, so to speak, a lot. E- excuse me, a lot easier. But I think you'll also find a sense of learning to discern that voice by the content that's in there. So if you look at what Jed was saying, he was saying, you know, here are the things that the devil is telling you, and you can see just in his and my banter, it was pretty easy to identify what those things are. So you have thoughts in your brain that are, you know, fear, shame, and guilt, and we know where those are coming from. Those are tools of the enemy. Then you have thoughts that are kind of neutral, just, you know, I hate Wednesdays or something like that. That's, that's pretty, you know, basic. But then you have thoughts uh, that say, I'm better than this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have thoughts of, um, I'm just thankful for all the forgiveness that God has given me. You have thoughts of, you know what, I do need to, to be courageous and not be bound up by fear. On it. You have these thoughts that will flow through your mind, and maybe it's only that where you look back on it, but you say, oh, that was really the Lord's thought he was putting in there. I mm-hmm. kind of took it as my own in the moment. But if you weigh all those thoughts out, it's, it's almost like you, if you took every thought you had for the day and you wrote each of those thoughts, separate thoughts out on a three-by-five card, and I said, okay, sort them all into three stacks. One is the, the enemy put it in there. The other is just neutral, just you thought of it. That's and another stack is, this is from the Lord. You could sort that without any difficulty whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's about learning to do that sort yeah. of in the moment. Yeah, it's a really fantastic kind of as this person asked for. It's a very smart question, practical mm. way to look at that. So we're gonna move on to our last question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr box, and it says, "I think I'm still conflicted with the Bible's view on sex. Song of Solomon is obviously a very sex positive book. However, the Bible is riddled with stories of rape, hurt, pain, and even as a wife, how you can be unloved. Who's to say that being married in today's age you'll actually have the happy ending? It isn't even promised to so many women and girls in the Bible." Thanks for your thoughts on this. And there's there's a lot going on in there, which I think is, is really sharp. But, Jed, maybe you can up the idea of as much as the Bible takes a position, I have a feeling we'll get into that later, on sex, what is it? What is the Bible's position on sex? Yeah. It's for it. Oh, good. <laughs> I thought it, I thought it might be again it, but it's for it. It's it's for it. Uh, the Bible is the the Bible is definitively sex positive. Right. Um, we actually uh, you deserve an apology uh, because Christians don't believe the Bible. No, um, not on this. And sur- super I believe not like on this. three things in the Bible, and they're kind of about who I get to judge. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the Bible is actually crazy sex positive, sure. and uh, Christians aren't. Well, that, that book you mentioned is kind of PG-13 there. It's, I think it may be a bit more than that in moments. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the, the Bible is super sex positive, and Christians in general aren't, and it mm-hmm. makes sense you would be confused. And on behalf of all of them, we're sorry, dude. Right. Uh, but let's let's see if we can't you know uh, unscrew up some of that. I'm going to read you a passage. This is the Bible's view on sex. Uh, this is from Proverbs chapter five. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. I think all of us who know Jed knew that was the verse he was going to go to. That's my life verse, right there. Sure. Sure. Um, Here's <laughs> you almost made it through that one with a straight face. Jed, Jed just loves the Bible. I love me the s- Bible. That's right. I love me some Bible. I love that passage in particular because that's a God who understands me. That's right. And that's, that's great. Right. That's right. Okay. Here's the thing. Healthy marriage, healthy sex life, uh, they require at least three things. They require vulnerability, they yep. require courage, and mm-hmm. they require consistency. Uh, you, you actually can't have a healthy marriage without those. You can't have a healthy sex life without those things. And the again, we kind of you are owed an apology because those things are not modeled in Christian culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you basically never hear Christians talk about or exhibit courage. Right. Um, you never really hear them exhibit vulnerability. They have kind of a, a weird version of that where they're obsessed with their feelings, but that's not the same as being vulnerable. Right. That's right. actually not the same thing. And it's actually difficult to find a less consistent group of people than most Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense that you would be confused. I think the, the key thing for you is you can have a healthy sex life and a healthy mar- marriage 
if you're willing to live out vulnerability, courage, and consistency in God's strength. And that starts now. You know, you, maybe you're a single person today. The healthy sex life and healthy marriage that you want to have down the road, you begin that process today mm-hmm. by building vulnerability and courage and consistency in your life, by building that kind of character that will lead to that down the road. You can do that. God wants it for you, and we believe in you. I think it's really a fantastic way to start. And it is, I, we never do, but especially on this, we don't want to give the, we want to not undercut the question here, which we're not doing, but it is a smart thing. It's, it might be easier for someone to look back and say, well, what does it matter if the Bible sex bothers or not? It matters a lot if you want to have, you know, a life that involves yeah. the Bible and sex. Yep. And to, I think Jed started us off on the exact right foot there of Christians have made a mess of this, but we can't put that on the Bible. Yep. I think we go further into that, Lee, if, if we go to that next level of what does the Bible say about sex, uh, the Bible is not pr- in every detail a prescriptive book. It is a book about people. It has stories right. about people. So the fact that there is negative, there are negative sexual experiences in the Bible is not the same as the Bible is negative about sex. Can you break that down for us exactly. a little bit? Exactly. Well, it, that, that's exactly right. I mean, you said it in a beautiful way. And the thing is, is that the Bible is a book about the way that the world is. The Bible is completely honest about the way the world is, the way people are, the way relationships are, and frankly, how much we have all hosed all of God's designs, yeah. just how just how boned the whole thing is. That's what, the Bible tells that story really, really well. I mean, and and specifically, and so yes, you're exactly right in that there are tons of accounts and episodes and stories in the Bible about people who have massively misused sex. They've asked sex to do things for them that it cannot do. They've used, they've used sex, uh, sex as a, as a power play. They've used, you know, they, they've used it to, uh, you know, to get, to get other things. And, you know, and, and what happens is, is that people get hurt. And yeah. and that has that happens. Uh, it's happened a ton in the Bible. There's a ton of terrible, terrible stories about the way that people can misuse sex. In in my job, I do quite a little bit of uh, premarital counseling, just as a pastor. And uh, you know, whenever I'm talking to a couple, kind of the, for the first time, I always tell them, "Look, one of the things that we need to that we need to talk about is, you know, is that I'm going to encourage you to make it." you know, to your wedding day without, you know, whatever it's been up to this point to make it to your wedding day without having sex. And the reason is because I don't, it's, it's not that I'm a Christian, so I'm against sex. It's that I actually want you guys to have the most unbelievably awesome sex life you can possibly have. And I just happen to know that that's doing it God's way. We do this thing his way. There's no ceiling for how fun and how cool and how awesome this can be. But it's exactly what Jed said, that it it is, this is kind of the crowning pinnacle moment of the human relationship, the most intimate and awesome human relationship that God ever devised. And so it all the, all the things that human relationship takes, this takes as well. It just takes way more of it, way more of it than normal friendship, than normal working relationships, the normal teamwork and all that stuff. But it takes all of that problem solving, teamwork, friendship, affection, loyalty, you know, making, you know, teamwork through adversity, all that kind of stuff, understanding, uh, understanding each other, you know, all of those things. It takes all of it. But God knows that you can do it. He wants you to be a part of it. But the Bible is honest about this is what happens when people miss use this and it's ugly it's it's a disaster it has become a disaster but it doesn't have to be your life and this is what's really cool about the bible not only is it a book about the way the world is so it has a lot of brokenness in it but it's also about what your life could be mm-hmm. so and that being the case the scriptures are full of not only what Jed read about just God's awesome design and how in favor of sex God is for you not only that, but just explicit instructions on husbands. This is how you are to love your wives. Wives, this is how you are to take care of your husbands. There's a whole chapter in the book of 1 Corinthians that the Apostle Paul says, hey, married people, take care of each other. Make sure that you have the kind of relationship where you're taking care of each other. Your sex should be fun. It should be often. It should be awesome. You know, this is the Bible's view on sex. And that's that's a very encouraging thing because it shows us how screwed up things can get. But it also gives us this great vision of what your life could be. And this is the life that God wants you to have and that he is ready to help you have. 
Amen. It's a really great point. And Glenn, if I get to close out on this, I think this person asked a very important question and actually brings up an interesting point that may be more profoundly thought of, you know, who's to say what's being promised if you get married. That's an excellent point about what the Bible says about sex, that nothing's promised, but that's not bad news. The bad news would be if some people just hit the lottery on a positive marriage and some people are just doomed. Right. The good news is the difference between the good ones and the bad ones are what you do with it. Absolutely right. I think, uh, Part of the tone that I get from this question is, you know, in some parts the Bible talks about uh, sex and uh, romance and all that in positive terms, and then bad things happen in other parts of the Bible. So maybe that means uh, God isn't all that concerned and it's all pretty random and, you know, it's all just a swirling mass of chaos and we're just swirling in the chaos with the chaos. Sure. Probably that means I am doomed in my love life. Doomed! And probably I should just get cats. <laughs> yep. And then sew outfits for those cats and take <laughs> pictures of the cats. Sure. And really get invested in the lives of the cats and just be fulfilled sure. within the cat situation. Um, uh, but that's not it. You know, God does care about your, your love life and your romantic life and your sex life. Um, but as Matt's pointing out here, uh, it is God's will that you have an awesome marriage. That's that's what He wants for you. Uh, but that requires that you put in the work. Yep. That 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 if you're not prepared to put in the work of asking the girl to get some coffee, mm-hmm. there is zero point zero percent chance you're going to have a successful marriage with her. Yep. Uh, if you ask her the coffee and you begin a relationship and you're not putting in the work and you're not, as you were saying, Jed, you if you're not being vulnerable, if you're not, you know. Uh, uh, addressing the things that might be causing problems in that mm-hmm. relationship and working those things out. If you're not doing that, you're not going to have a, a good and godly marriage. Uh, but that's you working against God's will for you, yeah. for your life. He, his desire is for you to have that awesome marriage. He's going to give you uh, the wisdom and the courage that you need to get that done. And you were mentioning right. courage. Uh, it, it's about whether we'll be obedient yeah. to that or not. Yeah. Uh, let's not make it be like, eh, maybe God doesn't really care about me having an awesome <laughs> sex life because bad things happen to some people sure. somewhere in the Bible or whatever. That, that's you know, we're, we're not going to fall for that. God yeah. wants it for you. We want it for you. Uh, it's a matter of, of getting in, involved in that and letting him lead you. One final quick thing, just just in case, because sometimes when questions like this get asked, this is part of what's going on. If your parents have an awful marriage, um, and yep. that's the model you've seen, we're really sorry for that. Right. But it's not because um, they're cursed. It's not because they're cursed. Um, and, that, and that doesn't that curse isn't on you either. It doesn't say anything about you. It's not right. on you. You don't have to have a marriage that looks anything like your parents' marriage. That's right. Um, so to whatever extent that's a part of what's going on here, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, God wants you to have a great marriage regardless of what your parents are on, there and you is. can have it regardless of what your parents are on. That's a really fantastic place to end that. Thanks for listening. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're taking out the the song this week. This is another Jed worship song. It's called Your Thoughts Are Not My Thoughts. We take it out with that for two reasons. One, it's a fantastic song, and two, um, they said the word thought a lot during that second question, and I'm pretty highly suggestible person so that's when i thought of it that's not a coincidence so we take out with that fantastic song recorded live at the bridge thanks for listening we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it to say that podcast hey fellas what happens if the canadians attack our ice wall with tim horton's coffee <laughs> wow wow
Us. 